Angie, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. We are the Faithlift Sisters, for women who love Jesus and who have committed to spending time studying the Bible and growing in friendship with each other. We love being together and studying the Word of God, and we hope that you will enjoy your time with us. In our last episode, we were with Nehemiah. He just learned about the condition of Jerusalem and his people. He's moved to do something about it. He sees his people. And so what we want to look at this time is now what does he do? So when, what we learned about Jerusalem is it was in a pretty bad shape. So the question I have for you is, have you ever been in a natural disaster, an accident or something, or had a big project to accomplish? And what did you do first to recover from that? Well, we around here had um, what we call the Great Flood of 2014. Um, some of our drainage systems didn't work. Someone said a flit, uh, um, switch didn't get flipped on time, whatever it was. But we had, uh, in our basement, probably a good 12 inches of water. And it, it is backup water. It, didn't, it wasn't stinky. We had no, you know floatings or anything, <laughs> but it didn't smell Except nice. For the couch. I'm sorry. <laughs> the couch. Oh, my beloved couch that we had to saw apart with a sawzall to get out of the basement. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, it was terrible. But um, it was really horrible. And we, everyone had all their stuff out for the garbage, a special garbage uh, pickups that they had. And, you know, you just look out there and there's your stuff, pictures, kids stuff from when they were little uh my furniture like i said it was anyways that was terrible the, to lose all of that stuff and what we had to do to recover was first the water had to start going down because it took a long time for that and then we had to clean all that out and it kind of left this little bit of sludge behind so on the tile part of the basement floor you know we're um Brooming, you know, sweeping it over to the drains, and then we had an area that was um, carpeted. We had to, I think we we shampooed and dried it. I had to go right away to Home Depot. Everyone was out of everything, like industrial size fans. Mm-hmm. I drove <laughs> far away to go get one, and we just shampooed and dried, and shampooed and dried, and. Um, Greg had to take down all the walls. Oh my! From so he just did like all the walls from whatever it is three feet or whatever, mm-hmm. tore all of that out. Now you're going up and down stairs, hauling stuff that is wet, falling apart. Um, rugs, big rugs that we had on the side that was tiled, and you've got this work. sludge on the bottom of you know tables mm-hmm. or pool table. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was really a mess, and it he did most of the work. Uh, he and some friends, and um, sounds like it a was big hard. Yeah. It was really hard. So it's a um, rebuilding. I think can be harder than the original building. You've got to get Excellent. the rubble out of the way. Yeah, yeah. first. Yeah. Anybody else? 
Well, mine's not a natural disaster, um, but my husband was gone for a trip for work one time, and I looked out in the backyard. My kids were out there, and the dogs were barking, and I looked outside, and there was this big, giant snake on our back porch. Ooh. And this was like my version of a disaster, you know? Like, there's this big, giant snake, and my husband's not home, and I am not snaking anything. I'm not doing anything with a snake. So I stood on the patio furniture. It grabbed a handful of rocks and threw rocks at the snake while I was standing on top of the table to make it go away so that my people would be safe. <laughs> and then I called my husband. He was all the way across the country. I'm like, you have to find somebody to come get a snake. And he said, well, where is it? I was like, I don't know. I threw rocks at it. So it away. Anyway. That's great. But the kids were safe. Everybody was safe. Absolutely. And I think it was just like a rat snake, you know, and they're, but a snake is a snake and it was big, but I was like, "Mm, no, we might have to burn the house down and move now. (laughs) Yeah. No telling where it came from. No. Uh, I had a kind of a flood story too. Um, we had just finished an edition when we lived back in Chicago and, um, Dan was traveling and something woke me up about three in the morning and I just had a funny feeling and I went down into the new basement, which we had made like a kid's playroom. So all the kids' toys were down there. We had some furniture down there. And as I came down the stairs, there was probably about four feet of water standing throughout the whole basement. The Mm. sump pump had backed up. And um, I just remember thinking... I don't even know what to do. I just sat down on the stairs and cried. I was so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Nobody was hurt. There wasn't going to be any permanent damage. Nothing really great got ruined. You know, a bunch of toys and stuff. But it was still a pretty overwhelming thought mm, yeah. of, oh my gosh, where do I even start with yep. this? Yep. So when I look at Nehemiah and he goes into that city where the walls are in ruins, I can imagine what his first reaction was like, oh, where do I even start with this? Mm-hmm. So talking about rubble, we didn't have rubble. I was in Michigan. This is back in the 80s. I was sitting in a wing chair by the, our front window, and we had an earthquake. We, it's pretty rare to have earthquakes in Michigan. Yeah, we hardly ever have that. I'm sitting in this chair, and there's the rumble, 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 and I'm thrown across the room, and I'm sitting on the floor. And so the first thing that went through my head is like, okay, am I crazy? What just happened here? Because <laughs> I'm not used to this. I, I'm not in California and stuff. I was like, okay, what was that? Was I sitting in the chair? Yes, I was. <laughs> the chair was turned over. And I was like, how did I do that? <laughs> I, just, I was like, and then the other thing that happened was like, why did I do that? I mean, it took me a while to figure out, assess the situation, mm-hmm. figure out what was going on. <laughs> I was, I got to tell you, I was really happy to hear about it on TV. Oh yeah! Everything, like the TV is moving, <laughs> everything's moving, and I was like, "What did I just do? <laughs> what did I do?" <laughs> so that kind of brings um. us into Nehemiah. This is what Nehemiah is looking at. He has he's he's aware of the destruction mm-hmm. in Israel. He, I'm sorry, in Jerusalem. He isn't there yet, by the way. He's still in Babylon at this point. And I'm going to have Terry. How about if you read the scripture? Sure. Um, reading again from Nehemiah, verse chapter one, verses four through seven. 
Um, he remember his his brothers, his friends had come and told him how bad things were. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open and your yeah and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants the people of Israel i confess the sins we israelites including myself and my father's family have committed against you we have acted very wickedly toward you we have not obeyed the commands decrees and laws you gave your servant moses so Nia's, Nehemiah's reaction is probably pretty similar to yours, it sounds like, Angie. You just sat down and cried, mm. what am I going to do? Yeah. yeah. A part of what's behind that, I wonder what's behind that. Like, I, I know, if, what was going on for you? I think it was, I was just overwhelmed. It seemed like such a big thing. You know, when I was pretty young, that was 30 years ago, um, my first big thing that I had to deal with alone, I guess, with the house. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, it was just kind of like, I, I, I don't know what to do with this. Hmm. I was flabbergasted. Yeah. And I, I think, I'm just kind of guessing, but it seems like Nehemiah's, was, Nehemiah was overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like he had this heart for the people. Mm-hmm. And it was just heartbreaking to see this, to see people in such a tough place. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and he was... Might have felt alone, except what he what did he turn and do? He turned and prayed, and I love that he sort of took responsibility too. He didn't just say, "Oh, your people have <laughs> right. been terrible," and you know that's why this has happened. He he took responsibility that all of them collectively were responsible for the condition mm-hmm. of the walls in Jerusalem. So he stepped in completely. He sure did. Not just to the project, but to the people. To the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So this, to me, showed that he had a lot of love mm-hmm. towards the people. Well, and I think he wanted the people to be in a right relationship with God. Mm-hmm. You know, he realizes that the conditions that they find themselves in are because of their rebellion, because of their stubbornness. So he wants, more than anything, to get the people right with God again. What would be the point of rebuilding the walls if they're not going to be right with God? So mm-hmm. I think that's his priority. Let's let's get back to God. Let's figure out where we've strayed and, and fix our relationship with God. Let's repent mm-hmm. and turn back to him and maybe do things his way and see if that doesn't work a little better for us. Right. Which is different yeah. from the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. They've had, you know, like we talked about earlier, five different kings. Mm-hmm. And Nebuchadnezzar coming in and saying, okay, first strike, let's go. We're taking all these people. Second time, we're going to take some more people and some more stuff. And then third time, that was it. Mm -hmm. That was it. Mm -hmm. So he obviously remembers what it was like. I do love, though, that there were three strikes with Nebuchadnezzar. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now God has used three times three men. First, he gets Zerubbabel. Then he gets Ezra. Now he's got Nehemiah. So now these three are going to provide um, a way to restoration. Nebuchadnezzar about that. took those, he gave them those three tries. Yep. Nobody rose up and stepped in. Now God's got three men who are willing to step in um, and do what it takes to help the people find their way back. And all three of them went to God. 
All three, All three of them, them pointed to God, yeah. worked with God, prayed to God first. Mm-hmm. It's maybe like I'm thinking back to me with the earthquake. It was like I didn't go to God. <laughs> it didn't even occur to me that that would have been an act of God. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I was I was like, why am I sitting on the floor over here? So it's just trying to get your head around what happened, mm-hmm. trying to assess the situation. Mm-hmm. But in their assessment, they did bring God in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they're trying to create this right relationship with God. It's very cool, mm-hmm. and I think it's so cool that he, that Nehemiah comes to God and he's so humbled, mm-hmm. and he is so quick to recognize, um, and give credit to God because he he calls God great and he calls him mm-hmm. awesome and he reminds him that he is the keeper of covenants, and I think when we confess those things and we we recognize those things and say them out loud to God that we are not only acknowledging him, but we are reminding ourselves and the yeah. others that are around us and that are hearing that, um, that that's the truth. It is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever we remind God, that's the thing. I don't think he forgets. No, it reminds uh, It reminds us. us. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, there is a lot to be said too, I think, for speaking out the word of God. I, I think, you know, the Bible says that the Word of God is active, so it's alive. It, it, it has a purpose. It does things. Um, so when we speak it out, when we give voice to it, God spoke the whole world into being. Mm-hmm. I think there is power in speaking out um, what God says about any situation. Absolutely. And there is power... Um, to affect others, but uh, to affect ourselves, ourselves. as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know if I'm having a really bad day, and I am not kidding when I say this, and it's going to sound probably a little crazy, but if I'm having a bad day, and I'm driving down the road, and I'm by myself, I'll be like, not today, Satan. No, mm-hmm. this is not your day. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the people in the cars next to me are like, what is that woman doing? <laughs> you know, but I'm like, this is this is it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. speaking it out loud, and it's, it's serving to remind myself, Myself as well that this yep. is, you know, God's power. Yep. And um, anyway, maybe the people that are reading lips while they're riding next to me <laughs> in the car. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think yeah, it's like they're probably thinking you're on you're on the phone, right? right. Or man, yeah. she is jamming to that yeah. song. Yeah. That's some angry music, or you know, whatever. Well, these well, days, it's true. But I know when I was younger years ago and you didn't have you know any headsets or anything right. and I would be in my car praying out loud and then I'd be like oh I'd be like, so I'd start bopping my head a little bit <laughs> so that people wouldn't think I was talking to myself and I was singing when I was really praying out loud oh, so that is kind of interesting <laughs> it's cute. like when you're talking out loud that's an assumption that someone else is here. Is listening. Oh, good. That is right. an absolute, good. Yeah. And we're yeah. afraid of looking crazy when they can't see who else is here. Mm-hmm. Right. That's interesting. It's like when you're speaking in loud, praying, and, and doing all that, it's an assumption there's someone else here that you're talking That's to. That's a really good that point. Is, that was That's really great. good. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. that relieves me of all my crazy times. Here <laughs> <laughs> so the first step, uh, there's a... Um, just some quotes here by Ray Stedman, is that our God is not some remote and capricious deity on the mountain who might strike us dead on a whim. He's a God who makes and keeps covenants, a God who loves us, a God who can be trusted, and who always keeps his word. He's a responsive God, and he's attentive to the prayers of his people. And that was by Ray Stedman. And it's like, 
and the other part too, it's like prayer. There's another quote too. Um, oh, probably by Ray Steadman still. But just prayer is always the first step towards rebuilding a broken life. Mm-hmm. So that's our first step. That was Nehemiah. To me, his first step was just taking it in. And then now, how does he respond? Right, and he does that through prayer. prayer. Because that's our our connection. That's how we connect with each other, certainly with God. We have to to talk. We have to communicate. And that's what prayer is. Mm -hmm. Prayer is not this big, scary, complicated thing. Prayer is just talking to God. Mm -hmm. And He knows our innermost thoughts, and He knows our beings. But by opening ourselves up and acknowledging, like, I'm having this conversation with you, Lord, Mm -hmm. that that... um, it, it's it's like it opens the gate. I think so, too. Mm. It, it's kind of what it is. So, Great. if you were Nehemiah, what would your prayer sound like? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh. My prayer would be like, God, I cannot do this. What in the world am I supposed to do? These people are messed up, and we have a history of messing up, and holy cow, you are going to have to be the one. Are they ever going to cooperate with me? Because they sure haven't been able to cooperate and get along before. Yeah, and I think, too, that I would go, why me? Mm -hmm. Am I really who you want to tell this to? Mm -hmm. Am I really this person? Am I the person you're asking for? Yeah. Yeah. I'd have a hard time. Anybody else? I had a couple thoughts, but as I was paying rapt attention, I just forgot my own thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) That's a sign of a good listener. That's That's good. That's right. That's good. I'm I'm really pretty similar right along here. It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I can't even stack my Cheetos. I mean, like, this is like, (laughs) God. (laughs) You can't even stack your Cheetos. I know. Cheetos, Cheetos, have you ever tried? I can't. It's hard to do. Okay, they're not (laughs) the same size. That's not a metaphor. That is like literally. Cheetos, have you ever tried to stack them? No. Right. Well, (laughs) let me help you out. They don't stack. (laughs) Well, try to stack crackers or try to I'm like, that's not my gift, right? (laughs) You know, how do you build things? That's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard work. And it isn't like it's something you just need to um, clean it up or whatever. You need a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It wasn't a fresh start. It wasn't like he just went out on a plane and said, okay, I'm going to build a wall. Right. He had all the rubble, like we talked about before. Um, He had people living there. So yep. he didn't have a clean slate. He had a situation he had to confront. Well, and he first, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, he first had to talk to the king. Well, oh, my he's goodness, prepping yeah. for that. Right. His first response here right. is now, first thing he does is he deals with God. Right. Yeah. But you're right. He's in Babylon. He's a cupbearer to the king. How's he going to explain this? Yeah, and we're going to talk through that. Building a wall. We'll be getting to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, even, a, well, we're going to get to it. Okay. That's okay. Okay. You like <laughs> Let's go. Come on. It's so much fun to know all of this. <laughs> I think the fact that Nehemiah comes in and is just humble. Mm-hmm. And I think that he just says, I don't, you know, it, 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 he's heartbroken. Yeah. And he says, we have sinned and I have sinned and my people have sinned. Yeah. Um, I think God listens to that in a different way than if we are to come out swinging. And if we don't take ownership of it, Mm -hmm. you know, because we can very quickly go, well, God, 
why did you let this happen? And why did you let so-and-so do this? And why did so-and-so and such-and-such and and none of it being me Mm -hmm. and none of it um, being anything that I'm willing to own up? And I mean, when my kids come to me and say, I messed up and I did this, my response is far more gentle Mm -hmm. than it is when they come to me and say, she did such and such and it made me do X, Y, Z, you know, and that humble heart of like, God, we messed up yeah, and you have to lead us. I think that that opens a different gate and a different approach. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing to me how much he loves Jerusalem and the people that he's never seen. Yeah. That is like, that has to come from God. I mean, he's never been there. He's never That's seen right. these people. He doesn't know them at all. And yet his heart is totally for them. Mm-hmm. And um, so obviously God, God has it, you know, put it in his heart. Mm-hmm. So that's a good. A, that's a good point. Like going back to what Suzanne was saying, when when I try to fix a problem and I'm not in it and I'm not willing to see my part in it, I'm fixing it out here away from me. I have my arm extended. It's like a, it's out here. I'm just going to look at it. I'm going to observe it. I'm going to see how I can fix this. But it doesn't impact me. Mm-hmm. What Nehemiah did is it impacted mm-hmm. him fully. And he engaged into the problem and brought it so that he was a part of this completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is amazing because, like you said, he lived in Babylon mm-hmm. in the king's palace. palace. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he wasn't thinking, oh, I'll move to Jerusalem or wouldn't it be right. great if I could go to Jerusalem? He right. was just doing his stuff, working mm-hmm. for the king as the cupbearer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then God puts this burden on his heart. And he hadn't been to Jerusalem no. before. Wasn't his home? I don't think he was. And he hadn't. It's not like he's been reading the news and keeping up on or what's going it on. on. TV. You know, yeah. These, these guys came and mm-hmm. and he just he said, said, "Hey, what's happening yeah. in Jerusalem?" Yeah. I was wondering if he cried because it's like, oh, I have to leave this palace and go to <laughs> the rubble. <laughs> I would have cried. <laughs> so, what's the first thing um, that Nehemiah asked God for? How did he approach God? Mm-hmm. He s- said, please listen yeah. and see us. So just kind of a, a cry, hey, God, are you there? I mean, that's how I took that. Are you there? Could you, could you look down here and let's, let's see what's going on with your people? And again, he's humble. He's he refers humble. to himself as your servant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially coming from a man who is the cupbearer. So he's holding this high mm-hmm. place in the palace, this place of immaculate trust to come before him and say, I'm your servant. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. It is. Mm-hmm. That is very incredible. So what are some of the things that he acknowledged about Israel and what was going on? That he and all of Israel had sinned. Mm-hmm. I mean, he goes into a pretty good list. His family, his forefathers, his, right. you know, he laid it out there, you know, I get it. We've, we've sinned. We've walked away from you. We've been wicked. We've been really wicked. Right. Yeah. I love the fact that he did not offer up excuses. He just flat out says, we messed up. Yeah, mm-hmm. no excuses. That's right. That's it. Yeah, that's a good point. By the way, though, he wasn't vague about it. 
that's another piece. It's like when people go vague, like, oh, yeah, I'm sure like I hurt you or whatever. It's like, you know, when I said that to you, I know that was probably really hurtful and I'm so sorry. Those are two different apologies. Absolutely. So he was specific. and We were very wicked. Yeah, and taking ownership and being clear. So some a little bit with Dee Dee, she talks about how David experienced what it's like to confess something to God. And David was describing it back in the Psalms, Psalm 32, where maybe we could read it if someone has it. But he, he talks about how it's the heavy hand was upon me. So here's something like, we know there's something really bad that we need to go to God for. I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of times I've tried to avoid it. Oh, yeah. I don't turn immediately. I try to. I'd love to say I do it every time, but that's not true. If I don't do it, my life is hard. Mm-hmm. It just feels like that heavy hand that David mm-hmm. describes, yeah. I get it. Does, does anyone have that? Do you mm-hmm. want to read it, Terry? Mm-hmm. So uh, Psalm 32, starting at verse 3. <clears throat> when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. It's heavy to hold it, and just just like you said. How nice that we have someone that we can go to, though, mm-hmm. when you start recognizing that yeah. and seeing that. Have, does anybody have an example of when you have avoided something that you know has to happen? Ooh, Terry's hand shot up. <laughs> like, I don't think I had even finished the first word. Oh, get that out. popped into my mind. Um, I sinned against my best friend, and that is I told another friend something she told me in confidence, and I could not live with myself, and I finally just, I went over to her house, and I knocked on the door, and I saw her, and I knocked on the door, and I just started crying, and she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I have to confess, you know, and I I told her what I had done, and I said, I'm so sorry, I don't know what made me tell it, I don't, I don't know, but I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? And she did, Mm -hmm. you know, she's a wonderful woman, but oh man, I just, I was terrible. Knowing that you had done that. Yeah, it's very heavy. Ugh. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. Mm-mm. And sometimes it does literally feel like a weight mm-hmm. is placed upon you. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. You know? I think so. that's the Holy Spirit's conviction. Mm-hmm. That is conviction. Absolutely. That's right. Uh, and yeah. it's not to condemn you. It's to move you towards God. Right. Yeah. Once again. Yep. Yeah. Right? Because, Terry, once you had confessed mm-hmm. and she forgave, even if she hadn't forgiven, would you have felt better? I would have felt better mm-hmm. about confessing my sin to her yeah right and of course you know it was better that she forgave you that made you feel even better but yeah we all have times and it's a good learning experience don't do that (laughs) you know (laughs) don't do that yeah Yeah, once you do you get to carry the weight of it yep Mm -hmm. and how stupid are we that we do it over and over again Mm -hmm. not the exact same thing right but you know, but things in the same line. Yeah. Right. Someone had asked me a question. I went to lunch with a friend a few years back and she asked me about something from my past and I just sort of 
made a light little comment over it that made it appear different than what the truth really was. She didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I got back in my car after lunch, and I just felt that heaviness descend Mm -hmm. on me, and I felt the Holy Spirit urge me to set that straight. So this was someone I respected very much, and I wanted her to think well of me, but I picked my phone up, and I called her right then in the car, and I said, you know, I think what I said, I'm sure what I said was misleading, that the situation was really more like this. You asked me a question, and I didn't give you the straight answer, and and I need to ask your forgiveness for that. Um, and she was very gracious, the same kind of thing. She said, well, I probably shouldn't have asked you a question like that. Um, and I said, well, with, but we were out talking you asked me a question, you deserved the truth, and I didn't give you the truth. So here it is, and um, I'm so sorry. You know, I don't know why I did that. And the same thing, after I got off the phone, it was like, why Why would I, at my age especially, I mean, I've been walking with the Lord time, and I, Lord, a long time, I know how important it is to stick to the facts and the truth and not to dissemble. Why would I have done that? Mm-hmm. I mean, she wouldn't have loved me any less if I just told her the truth. But that's the big, that's the big thing. Yeah, is what is in us mm-hmm. that holds us back from that. Yeah. I mean, really, there's something in all of us. It's that, that fallen nature. It's the fallen nature. It is. Yeah. And more specifically, like for me, specifically, it's pride. Yes. Because I don't want people to think less of me. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reality of it, yeah. is sometimes we want things to be shiny. Mm-hmm. We want people to think um, the best of us. And so sometimes right. we do make a light answer, mm-hmm. or sometimes we do share something we shouldn't have shared, mm-hmm. or sometimes we just ignore things. I think, for me, a big part of it is one of the things that you said. I want people to like me. If I tell them that... Yeah, what's she going to think yeah. of me if I tell her yeah. that? Um, probably they're probably like not going to like me anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. That's the fun of this podcast. We're really going to have to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> or just the, keep it between the four of us. The voice whatever. of wisdom and reason. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one who messes up all the time every time you turn around. <laughs> I'm afraid of offending and hurting people, like at a place where. Um, I can't fix it. That's one of my big things. Yeah. And it's sometimes God is the one that has to fix it, and I can't, and I feel so powerless. And that is so hard, and I don't know how to do that without God. I probably tried, but I probably didn't do a very good job. Well, I think we really have to learn to lean on His grace, because yeah. we are going to make mistakes, and we are going to do stuff. Sometimes I think it's a lot more difficult for us to forgive ourselves and move forward. Um, I think that's true. Yeah. I think God, for God, He says, if you confess your sins, I'm Mm -hmm. faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. But for us, we're not so faithful to forgive ourselves. Well, and we do have an enemy. We do. Who who keeps bringing things back to our mind. I I recognize that. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, why do I think about this again? Yeah. You know, the Lord has forgiven it. It's mm-hmm. behind me, long behind me. Forgotten, Why does it keep coming forgiven. up? Yeah. But um, that, you know, our enemy, he will, Satan will use whatever he can to discourage us yeah. and in our walk with the Lord, especially. So he'll, re- he'll remind you. I think I have a pretty serious case of FOMO. 
and of what? Mm. What is FOMO? Oh, fear yeah, of yeah. missing it's, out. Oh. That's me too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like what if my friends don't like me and then I don't get to go? Yeah, mm-hmm. I no. I always thought I had. The JOMO, the joy of missing out. I go, whoo, so glad I don't have to do that. So I am like, I need a nap. I want my pillow, right? It'll go back to that. But lately I realized I'm like a prairie dog. Like, oh, really? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? We can do this. And and just like, and I'm trying to think, Brene Brown said something about the FOMO happens when, okay, I'm not going to quote her correctly because I quite frankly can't remember it. But when our insecurity meets our shame. So here's a weird place where I keep seeing it. If I go to a party, I'll never be able to have that cupcake again, so I might as well have it now. Like that fear, like I'll never have that scarcity. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, maybe it's not insecurity. It might be. It could be scarcity, too. Goodness knows if anyone knows the correct quote, probably Brene Brown does. But <laughs> Brene, if you're I listening, we would love to hear from you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it, yeah, it would be right? so great to clarify this. But either way, like insecurity and shame mm-hmm. and that scarcity, when that all starts mixing up, like what if this friend doesn't like me, then I won't have any friends. It just mm-hmm. kind of moves that way yeah. so fast, so fast. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things I've noticed I'm, I start to do. That was a great rabbit tra- trail. Thank you. It really was. We need to get back on on track here at all. Except or? that kind of was the trail. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because we're trying to find times where we do this. And what does this look? How do I get back from that FOMO? I have to see that God is who he is. I have to stop trying to do it by myself. See that shame? When shame comes in, I want to do it by myself. I don't want anybody to see me. How hard it was for you to go back to mm-hmm, your friend mm-hmm, and yeah. be there publicly with them. Yeah. So that's one of the first things that, with, that happens with that. And the Israelites were in distress and they were shamed yep, they because were, they didn't yep. have a wall. Yeah. They were kind of in that same position. Mm-hmm. And they had scarcity. They didn't have stuff. They did not have the resources. And Nehemiah knew it. He could see it. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff is kind of coming together as a perfect storm. And how does Nia respond the way sh- we should be responding when we're in that situation? God. Right straight to God. Hear me now. Yeah. Hear me now. God, please come here. God, please show me what you want to have happen. Show me your will. Right. So many times the way that we approach people are the ways that we approach God. Yeah. And so when we gloss over or jump through or whatever um, to make things look better to the people, we approach God in the same way. Mm. I think in in so many circumstances, Mm -hmm. which is ridiculous because God's like, I created you. Right. I know know you. I know the number of hairs on your head yet we're like oh god didn't see that right you know it's like we go into our little tent or Mm -hmm. whatever um thinking he can't see that he doesn't know and i don't want to disappoint him right that's a big part of it we don't want to disappoint him i know and it's like when you said that it was like he knows the numbers of hairs on my head he knows which ones are really gray (laughs) and which ones aren't He knows way more than a lot of other people even know. Right. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I think really we do approach people 
and our relationships with people oftentimes in the way that we approach God. And so when we start to shift how we approach God, mm-hmm. we're able to shift how we approach, approach people. people too, which was so key for Nehemiah to be able to approach God in that humble manner. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see as we go forward that Nehemiah is terribly humble in his approach with the king and with the way that he leads the people too. Yeah. So what would you say is the biggest thing that gets in your way? Oh, mine would definitely be pride. Pride. That's still, yeah. It definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't like to admit that I have failed and I don't like to admit that I've been wrong. Um, And I don't like somebody else to be the boss of me. Uh, there you oh, go. Me too. Yeah. You know, it's yours. Oh, well, I don't like anyone to be the boss. I mean, mm-hmm. no, mine is when I come to God and I confess it, He forgives me. But now I have to change it, so it requires a change of maybe um, some habit that I have or whatever. It's a requirement. So there's action that comes based on what you've brought God. Mm-hmm. And if you don't bring it to God in the first place, then you have don't have to, to do the right. action. That's, that's right. right. Oh, that's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Angie? Anything? I think mine's probably pride, too, because I remember that day in the car when I felt that. Um, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to call her. So yeah. the same sort of thing. Yeah. It's like okay, so now I see this. Now I have to do something. You're responsible. About it. I'm to responsible do yep. to do something, and I don't want anything to get in the way of my relationship with God. Certainly not some stupid little comment that I made. Um, so yeah, it requires action, and I think mm-hmm. it requires. I, I know that there's an immediacy to that. It's not something I can put off or take care of later. I have to do it right then. Or that heaviness. The heaviness gets worse, and then the longer it goes, the more distant I know I'm going to feel, the more separated I'm going to feel from uh, the Lord. And I don't want that. Um, So, yeah. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. like having people point out what I do wrong, even when it's the Holy Spirit. Um, But I definitely don't want anything to get in between him and me. Um, so, yeah. So I know there's that action. That's interesting. I've never really thought about that part of it. For me, what happens is I'm afraid to trust God often. Like, And I know I've talked about this before with just the four of us offline, but it's hard for me to trust him. Like, what if I hand him, like, I made a big mess. This is a big mess, God. And what if you mess it up even more, is the thought, <laughs> by asking me to go say I'm sorry? That would be terrible. <laughs> you know? So um, that's that's kind of the piece that happens with me. With it is, is what I need to start doing is learning that God is my provider and trust that he'll yeah. give me whatever I need and the ability mm-hmm. to go and make it right with someone. And he's gracious enough to do that. And he's gracious enough to see through my pride. And he's gracious enough to know and just go, you know what? I've got you. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You're still mine. I still love you. That's right. There's nothing that you can do. Um, You can't make it shiny enough. There's nothing that we can skip over that is going to make me love you any less. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want to pray us out? Sure. Jesus, thank you for that love, and thank you um, that you do love us, and that you have always loved us, and God, that you provided Jesus to show us 
um, physically sent him to earth to make that sacrifice um, so that we wouldn't have to worry about that, Lord. Um, you have have provided and you have um, given and you listen and you hear and you see. And I thank you for how good and great and awesome you are. And I pray, Lord, that we would remember every day, every moment, how good and great and awesome you are and how much you love us and how we can walk with you and that we do not need to be ashamed and that we can confess, Lord, and that you will just wrap us in your arms. And I thank you again, God, just for the opportunity to be um, with these ladies and just to be able to to work through what you have before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And cut. <laughs> 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 <laughs>